The scripture this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 7, and then 11 through 13. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The word of the Lord. No, that's not right. The word of God for the people of God. (laughs) There we go. Let's give Wes a hand. (laughs) That's awesome, Wes. Thank you very much. Grace. Grace. We are starting a series, and and we're all excited. The staff is excited over the next few weeks to uh, focus and concentrate on the means of grace. We're going to discover what that means uh, in the next few weeks. But it got me to thinking, um, and there's a definitely a definite definition of that um, that, we, that we're going to be doing. But before we really get into that, I thought maybe it would be good for a few moments to talk about what grace even means. Do we even know what grace is? Now, so with the person next to you, I'm going to give you like two minutes, okay? I want you to tell that person what words come to your mind when you hear the word Grace. Will you do that now? You go ahead and start chatting right now. I'll break you back up. Go ahead. Okay, so shout. Oh, we don't know? Oh, okay, okay. I hope you know. Okay, what did you hear? What kind of words did you hear? Acceptance. Love, what? Love and forgiveness, thank you. What? Mercy. What else? Undeserved, yeah, that's very key. What else? I heard something over here. Faith? Yes, absolutely. Anything else? Grace is... It's one of those words that's kind of gushy and sort of uh, like love. You know, it's like it could, grace could mean anything and everything. But I appreciate those responses because you are right, right on. I mean, what makes grace so amazing? And today is a day that we're just, just a few minutes. We're going to talk a little bit about sort of the fundamentals of grace so that when we start talking about the means of grace, um, we have a little bit better idea of, of what grace is. Um, I heard mercy and forgiveness, and that is definitely part of it. Like Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Or um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. Grace is something that we receive. The Greek word is charis or charism, 
which means gift. You can't bargain for a gift. You can't buy a gift. You can only what? Receive a gift. Grace is something given to us by God. And that's very powerful. It's got to start right there. But there's also not just pardon in God's grace. There's power in that grace. In other words, grace is what enables and uh, activates us to do anything, right? Grace empowers you and me and us to do things we never dreamed of doing because God is working through us. So there's pardon in God's grace. There's power in God's grace. This is how we know what love is. It says in 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It makes sense to talk about God's grace in terms of God's love. Because that's exactly what we're talking about. And then we heard something similar to what uh, Wes said in 2 Peter. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace allows us to grow spiritually. Grace doesn't just let you and me off the hook by saying, I forgive you. Grace says you can do better. It made me think about this when Sid was up here. He got, what, how, many, how, many, how, many, how much blood did he get? Four, that's right. Did he get, those, did he get that blood just so that he could just, uh, okay, so it saved his life. But why? Like, Living for what? And of course, lucky for us, Sid is living for others, doing all kinds of great things. But like, he got that life and he's not, he's taking advantage of it, right? He's responding to it by living. And that blood not only kept his heart beating, but it, nour- it nourishes him to keep him to go forward. Um, you probably have experienced grace in both these ways. Most Christians I know have experienced that forgiveness uh, in some profound way. A way that changed the way you looked at the world and each other. Changed the way you looked at God. And you probably, if it's similar to my experience, at some point in your life there was a huge burden taken off your shoulders. Because you knew that God loves you. At least I hope that's uh, what you've experienced. I bet it is. The power of grace, though... The power of grace and being empowered by God's grace to live a different kind of life usually comes at us in more varying degrees, in subtle ways. It's not usually dramatic, maybe as dramatic as when you knew that you were forgiven by God. But like sunlight, clean water, nutritious food, that nudging of God's grace over and over again, you may not always perceive it, but it is changing you and making you a different kind of person. Just like eating healthy or exercising, you may not, you may not um, notice it after a week, but the cumulative effect of it will give you more and more health. That's sort of what grace, uh, grace does. Um, now, why do we need grace? Anybody want to take a stab at that real quick? Why do you need grace? Shout it out. We've all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says in Romans 3, right? We've all sinned. We're all broken. Like, we need that four courts, right? For our, for our whole being and body because we've all let each other down. You know, I distinctly remember the moment when I realized, yeah, I'm going to mess up a little bit in this life. It was 1976, okay? And my mom, 
I was six years old. My mom was going to be, well, Caddy, my older sister, was in Girl Scouts. But my mom was really wanting Caddy to be the record seller of Girl Scout cookies in Lincoln County, like in Brookhaven. And when my mom puts her mind to something, she just goes after. She knocked on every door. I don't even think Caddy was a part of it, but it was for Caddy. But anyway, she knocked on doors. How many cookies you want? Rattle it off and everything. And, and, I mean, and she did it. Unbelievable. I mean, I, it was like boxes that you could fit washer and dryers came into the house. And here I am as a six-year-old, and I see all these cookies coming in. And there was a big, huge salad bowl in our house. You know, those big plastic salad bowls. You can put a lot of salad in. For, um, I just got to thinking, and I knew at six, now it's wrong to take something from somebody. But would it hurt if I just took one cookie out of every box? Right? <laughs> I mean, Come on. I mean, it's, I know nowadays that's like that would be one-third of the box, right? But, but back then there were a lot of cookies in there, right? And I started to justify it and think, you know what? It's not that bad. And, I mean, you know, they're going to get most of the box. And Mom walked in, and I had a big salad bowl, and it was about 300 cookies. And I had to run real fast that day to get away from my mama. She doesn't have a violent bone in her body, but I was worried that day, right? Now, I've learned how to um, uh, fool myself and deceive myself in all kind of ways. I've learned how to rationalize my sin these days. I've learned how to do it. But back then, even back then, I realized that I just might be prone to my own selfishness, putting my own needs ahead of others, and not thinking it out. Now, that was my original fall, I guess, from grace. Um, I don't know what yours is, but we know that we can look around in this world and see that this world is broken, and this world is in desperate need of God's grace. All of us are. God, when God created you and me, God called you and me good. Like, when God created the world, God said, Mazel tov, which means very good. In fact, it says in Genesis 1, 27, that you and I have been created in the image of God. But we saw those cookies come in, didn't we? The world saw the cookies come in and thought, you know, I've got a better way than to trust what God has to tell me, and I'm going to go my own way. And when we did that, it made us prone to all kinds of uh, ways that we can deceive ourselves. God's grace, we need it. Because I can't heal myself on my own. I need someone from outside of me to help restore my image. John Wesley had a beautiful thought about, um, and he took it from the Eastern Orthodox Church, but I love it. He borrowed from the Eastern Orthodox that, you know, when we talk about our fall, um, it's like we've all been created in the image of God. We all are icons of God. But because of our own selfishness, Our our form has been defaced, our icon. That part of us that bears God's image has not been destroyed utterly, but it's been broken and is in terrible need of, of repair. So, God noticed that. God sent the law, the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments are loving God with all our heart. The second six are how we treat each other. They weren't just parameters on what to do and what not to do. They were a way that we could live fully with each other. And wouldn't you know, that didn't work very well. 
Then God sent prophets and judges and all kinds of people until finally God sent the most definitive image of God's love for us, Jesus Christ, who lived and taught and loved and died for you and me so that we might see clearly our way back to God. Maybe it's not that at all. Maybe it's not that we're working our way to God, but in Jesus Christ we find out that God was working God's way back to us. And that, my friends, is grace. That's our four quarts of blood right there. That's what puts blood in our veins and gets us going and helps us to keep going. Am I perfect now? Have I got it all right? Absolutely not. But thank God I'm not the same person that I was a year ago and the year before that. And I hope that next year... I won't be where I am today. Grace is dynamic. It's not static. It's not just you getting off the hook. It's nudging you to walk in faith and not by sight. Three things about grace, very quickly. One thing is grace is unconditional. Grace is unconditional. None of us deserve it. We can't bargain for it. That's one of the reasons when we come for communion, we come with our hands open. We don't pick the bread off the loaf. We receive it with nothing in our hands. One woman said it in Meridian, said there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less than God already loves you. And that is beautiful, unconditional grace. In the 1700s, John Wesley, who founded the Methodist movement, called it, Provenient grace, grace which comes before God even loving us before we knew we had a problem. Before we were caught with the cookies, God was pursuing you and me with God's provenient grace, unconditional. I will say in just a moment, while we were yet sinners, Christ, what, died for us. God's not waiting for you to get right, me to get right, to encounter God God is coming at you with God's amazing grace. Grace, number two. Grace is transformational. Transformational. John Wesley would have called that justifying grace. And here's what it means. Jesus loves you just the way you are. But Jesus loves you so much that he refuses to leave you just the way you are. Does that make sense? Each of us are being worked on each and every day, getting in the way, exposing ourselves to God's grace in a beautiful way. I am the potter, you are the clay, it says in in Jeremiah. I'm the potter, you are the clay. And we show up on God's turning table and God begins to mold and make us by the strength of grace upon grace every single day we're invited to it. And we are justified. We are changed. There's a prevailing mindset, and I want you to battle it these next few weeks as we go into the means of grace, and that is it. It's called dirty, rotten, scoundrel theology. It means this. I'm so bad and useless. Um, God has let me off the hook, but there's no way God can change me. But I'll just stay right in that box. I want to tell you, friend, I don't care what your past is. God intends to change you. God intends to empower you and make you a co-laborer for Christ to do incredible things that you never thought you could do. So do away with that mindset. Don't tell yourself you can't be changed because I believe you can. 
Not because we're all that special, but because God is special and God is unique. And it's the very character of God to mold you and make you into something you never dreamed of. The third thing, grace is invitational. Unconditional, transformational, invitational. Sanctifying grace, which means this. God is inviting us to continue to take part. Once you're saved by amazing grace, then all of life is a response to that grace. And now this is where we get the means of grace. Wasn't that good? Tell Brooke Bryant she did a good job. That was so pretty. She does great work. Um, The means of grace. Here's what John Wesley said. If you want to follow Jesus, accept God's grace, and then take part in a pattern of life that will continue to change you. He called that means of grace. The means of grace offer us a whole path of discipleship. And when we practice them regularly and with discipline, they also lead us to understand grace more and more. We discover new things about God's love. So these means of grace are prayer. You're doing it today. We showed up for worship. We shared with each other. We worshiped God. Searching the scriptures. Partaking in Holy Communion. Being baptized and remembering our baptism. Fasting. Yeah, I know. I don't want to fast either, but we're going to talk about that too. We're going to talk about all these simple, ordinary ways that get us on God's anvil, on God's turning table that open our clay up to God so that God can do something beautiful. That's what the means of grace are. We don't pray to make God love us more. We pray to respond to God's grace. We don't worship here to get more brownie points from God. No, we're here to worship because we know we've been given grace, something awesome, something gifted. It says in Psalm 66.10, says, You tested us. You refined us like silver. And a silversmith will tell you, as a silversmith will hold that silver above the fire in the hottest part. And the silversmith knows when the silver is pure, because when the silversmith brings the silver out of the fire, she can see her reflection in the fire. And that is life. That's the means of grace. As we go through this life, trial by fire, all the things we do, God is continuing to purify us. Somebody said, what about God's wrath? It's a great definition of God's wrath that I go by, and that's this. God's wrath is God's white-hot anger against anything that keeps you from being who you've been called to be. And God wants to burn that away. And how do we do it? We pray. We worship. We break bread. Not terribly extraordinary things. We show up and welcome people. At uh, college folks at, uh, at the lake, good job, Susan, on that, inviting people. We give blood, acts of mercy, acts of justice. And little by little, you'll realize over time how much you've been changed by this. So I'm going to invite you to do uh, three things these next few weeks, okay? I want you to come each week ready to discover, rediscover these very basic gifts from God, this grace. Try to learn something new and maybe come to it like you don't know anything in a way 
So to just sort of rethink and rediscover what it means to be involved in means of grace. And when you learn them, be active to practice them, okay? We're going to dare you each week to do some things, maybe take you out of your comfort zone a little bit, but I want you to practice them for sure. Also, number three, find somebody in this church that you trust to share your experiences if you've been pushed to pray and you try to pray in a different way or, or um, fasting or something like that, share it with a friend and let them know what's going on um, so that you might grow. Our, our next nine weeks are not about earning any brownie points from God. We've already got God's grace. It's just how can we live more deeply into the practices of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? That is always the question. That's kind of what, what makes Methodists a little bit... Um, Distinctive in one way, we're not real big about speculative theology. That's why a lot of times when maybe we, we disagree or see something different, it's not a big deal. For Wesley, the big deal was this. How does your belief shape your discipleship and your walk with Jesus? That is the bottom line, and it's really the only thing that matters. And Wesley would say, join in, follow Jesus in the means of grace. I had a friend a couple days ago. She's from Alaska, and her name is Patty. When I was in Alaska in a storefront church, Patty owned the toy store. She was there, and she had Pokemon cards and about 9,000 Beanie Babies and all these games in Palmer, Alaska. And Patty is a neat, neat person, neat family. And I would go there about every other day because my office was there, and I'd buy a trip a bunch of Pokemon cards. But I was really trying to get her to come to church. I knew that she had been part of a church and had partaken in a lot of means of grace, but for whatever reason, she sort of drifted away from the community that would help continue to shape her and form her. I went, I went, and I went, and I almost gave up on Patty. I thought, well, I guess she's never going to come until one day she showed up. And when she and her husband Joe and their two daughters showed up to church, they went in whole hog, I guess is what you want to call it. They just jumped in. They got active. They even brought communion bread every week because we broke bread every week there. Joe would bring the bread, and one time um, he brought, oh gosh, what kind of bread was it? Rye bread, which really surprised people when they took communion that day, I can tell you that. But the thing about it is they jumped in, and they jumped in, and we prayed together. We broke bread together. We worshiped together in that little church. We sang together. We were in small groups together. Because in Alaska, they don't know a Methodist from a Mormon up there. They don't know any. So we had adult confirmation, and Patty was involved in that, and Joe was too. We found ourselves there on Thanksgiving Day, rolling uh, homemade like dough for, oh, it's raining, um, Rolling like dough, and we made the most beautiful meal together. I have not seen Patty in 12 years. But Patty texted me a week ago and said, I have a serious illness. And Bruce, I need you and Jen to pray. It's very difficult, and I'm going to be going here for a scan and there, and I'm at the Mayo Clinic, and I don't know if I'm going to make it. And... I was first honored that she would even let me know what was going on in her life. And I told her, I'll pray for Joe and I'll pray for you and the kids. She's got these beautiful grandkids that she wants to see grow up. But I think what's really made it powerful is that God gave our family and her family cords that can't be broken. And so I know when I'm praying for Patty, I know who Patty is. 
And because of the means of grace that we jumped into, God has turned us into a family. So, I'm asking you, as you come to the table today, jump in with your whole self. This is not a practice of trying to be more religious or anything like that. These next few weeks, it'll be about you and me and all of us growing in grace, grace upon grace, so that we too will be more like Jesus every day. All of us, Paul said, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. All of us. The silver comes out, and the master is looking for his reflection in your life. Let's jump into the means of grace these next few weeks. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your table, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. Your grace is unconditional, it's transformational, and it's invitational. Help us, O oh God, to receive your grace in its fullness over these next few weeks and over a lifetime. Thank you, God. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. As you have heard the word and now prepare for the table, just have a few quick announcements. If you have a